Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au If you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Let's pray together. God, thank you uh, for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for the lives that have been changed. Thank you for the young adults right now down at Young Adults Retreat. God, even as they gather this morning, God, just pour out your blessing upon them. God, thank you for families that are away on holidays, enjoying time together and enjoying a break. God, would you bless them? Uh, Just lift up Andrew and Chrissy and their family as they take a well-deserved break. God, I pray that you'd uh, you'd bless them uh, as a family. And God, I uh, ask today, as we gather as a church family, God, would you give us your heart? Help us to hear your heart in these words we're going to read right now. And God, I pray that you'd give us your heart for one another, that we might speak your words of life over one another today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, holidays are good, aren't they? I mean, you're probably here and not on holidays and you're thinking of the people who are normally sitting in the seats in front of you that are on holidays. But holidays are good. Holidays are a time where we rest from our regular rhythms of life. We rest from our regular responsibilities and we are refreshed, we're, we're rejuvenated. Some of us like to take holidays in the country, some of us like to take holidays in big cities, some of us like to take holidays on the beach. I love taking holidays on the beach. And I, I got a rhythm. When I, uh, when I get to the beach, the first thing that I do is take my boots off I pretty much wear boots every day of the year at work because I hate tying shoelaces. And so if you look in my wardrobe, all I've got is different pairs of boots and thongs. And my my rhythm, uh, as soon as I get to the beach, the boots never go back on for two weeks and the thongs go on and they stay on uh, for about two weeks. And uh, you've got to be careful talking these days about wearing thongs on the beach. Uh, I am only talking about footwear, all right? I, uh, there's lots of other thongs on the beach these days, but uh, I only, I'm sure you, I only wear uh, these type of uh, thongs. I remember in America going into a shop and saying I wanted to buy some thongs for my son, and she gave me a very strange look. But uh, this is my, this is my, my rhythm. And I, I got a particular rhythm when, when I get to the beach. My, my days go pretty much the same for two weeks. It's surf, run, eat, rest, walk, fish, rest. That's my rhythm. I love it. And I pretty much do it every day. Other members of my family, their rhythm goes read, rest, swim, walk, read, rest. And we find a couple of little spots just to overlap, you know, where our, where our rhythms overlap. Other members of the family, it's simply surf, eat, sleep, surf, eat, sleep, surf, eat, sleep, surf, eat, sleep. And we got some overlap. We've all got a rhythm, haven't we? You, you might think my rhythm on my holidays sounds terrible, uh, but you, whatever you do for holidays, you You've got a rhythm that you put in place that actually refreshes you. It it rejuvenates you. You know, holidays are great. We take a rest from our regular 
responsibilities and our regular rhythms of life to actually be refreshed. The only problem with holidays is they don't last very long. You know, before long, you've got to put the boots back on and you've got to get back into normal life. The problem with holidays is they don't last very long and often you've got to wait too long until the next rest. I want to talk about a type of rest today that the God's actually built into the rhythm of life that you don't have to wait too long for. You don't have to wait, you know, half a year until you get an, another rest. It's a type of rest that you can actually enjoy all year long. And it's the type of rest that God actually intends for us to enjoy for the rest of our lives. Let me just get to our, our core scripture for this series first. It says this, Jesus says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying very clearly, there, there is a rhythm of regular rest that actually will help you to recover your life. There's a rhythm of regular rest that will restore your soul. You know, 50 years ago, there was two cardiologists that, that actually uh, noticed something about people that were coming into their waiting room with heart trouble. And they actually noticed it because of what their upholsterers taught them or showed them about what was happening in their waiting room. The upholsterers, you know, said that normally we go uh, into uh, places uh, to, to restore lounges and what we have to do, and this, this is the time before you just threw lounges out, you know, upholsterers would come and restore them. What we would normally have to do is, is actually restore the back of the lounge and the armrest of the lounge because people generally, as they sit down into a chair, they lean back and they rest on the armrest. But what they, their upholsterers discovered in the waiting room of this cardiologist's, uh, two cardiologists' uh, surgery, where people were coming in and uh, they had heart trouble, is that the seats weren't wearing out on the back of the chair or on the armrest like they would in normal places. They were actually wearing out on the edge of the chair. It was the only place these upholsters discovered that the chairs were actually wearing out on the edge of the chair. In the one, at the one time where people actually had to wait and they had the opportunity to rest and they could have sat back and just put you know, their, their back on the chair and rested into the armrest, people that were coming into the cardiologist's surgery were still sitting on the edge of their chair. 
And they actually made some discoveries 50 or 60 years ago. They, they called it type A personality. And they said people that had this t- certain type of personality and, and were living at a fast pace and were constantly in a hurry and, and were always on the go and were always working, were always on edge, were literally sitting on the edge of their chairs. Now, I know all of us here in this room may not identify as type A personality. And there's been a whole lot more research done since about the link between heart disease and personality. But I wonder if we're living in a culture that's actually living on the edge of our seats. We're living in a culture of hurry and it's celebrated. We're actually living on the edge of our seats. We're living in a culture of worry. We're driven to succeed. We're driven to keep up with the Joneses. We never feel like we have enough time to do all of the things that we think we should do. We're living on the edge of our seats. And it's not just making our hearts physically sick. It's making our hearts relationally sick. It's making our hearts emotionally sick. It's making our hearts spiritually sick. We're living life in a hurry. We're living life on the edge of our seats. And Jesus has got a completely different invitation for us. He says, come away with me and rest and you'll recover your life. This invitation he gives, it's not an invitation of hurry. It's not an invitation of too many things to do and not enough time to do them. He says, come away with me and rest, and you'll recover your life, and I will restore your soul. This rhythm of rest goes right back to the very beginning of the Bible. If you've got your Bibles there, open it to Genesis chapter 2. You can't get much more to the beginning than that. And uh, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested. Everyone say rested. Rested. Who rested? Who rested? God rested. All right, some of you are going to keep arguing with me through this message. Okay? You're going to. I know you are. You're going to say, you know, our culture's changed. You know, where life is different now. You don't know the stage of life, you know, that I'm in. You don't know the financial, you know, troubles that I'm in. You don't, you know, you, you don't know a whole bunch of things. That's true, I don't. But who rested? God rested. God does know you. He does know the culture you live in. He, he does know what you're going through. And he's got a fair bit of stuff to keep under control. Okay, God rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This rest that Jesus offers us is not new, but it is for now. It's not new but it is for now. And this is what I want you to remember today. The rest of your life rests on the rest in your life. Hurry's making us sick. 
It's not doing us any good for our hearts. Physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. The rest of your life rests on the rest in your life. God built into the very rhythm of creation a rest every seven days. A weekly rest. A rhythm of rest. It actually predates Jesus coming to earth. It predates Israel. It predates Cain and Abel. It predates, you know, culture as we know it. There's a rhythm of rest right from the very beginning. It says, this is the way I want life to happen. This is the way I want the world to continue. Is this rhythm of rest. There's two important words in there. It says that God blessed the day of rest and he made it holy. And that word holy is kind of, you know, confusing in our world today, but really it just means different. He made it different to every other day. This day of rest was to be different to every other day. And then he blessed it. There's three blessings in the first two chapters of Genesis. He blesses the animals and says, go forth and multiply. He wants them to be a blessing. He blesses humans and says, go forth and multiply. They're the first two blessings. And then the third blessing is the blessing of the Sabbath day, the the seventh day. And what he's saying here is, is that this blessing that he gave to animals will actually create life. This blessing that, that he gave to humans will create life. And this blessing of the seventh day will create, it'll restore, it will recover life. There's a life-giving blessing as you get in line with God's rhythm of rest. And it's really important to him. When he thinks about, when he sets his people free from from slavery in Egypt and he thinks about the ten, the top ten things that he wants them to do, the top ten things that will make them holy, that will make them different from every other nation. Now remember, these commandments are not recommendations. These commandments are not suggestions. These commandments are God's Commandments. I want us to read today recommendation number four. Suggestion number four. See if you can find it in Exodus chapter 20. There is no recommendations, there's no suggestions, there's only commandments. Commandment number four says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. I find that pretty easy. They're happy not to do any work in my place. Nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, but he... Rested. Thank you, kids. I'm glad you're listening. On the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Do you know of all the Ten Commandments, which one's the longest, which one God gave the most words to? Have a guess. This one. Commandment four. It's the longest of all of the commandments. But I'd say today it's the most dismissed commandment. It's the most disregarded commandment. 
and it's the most disobeyed of all the commandments. You know, it's interesting, in our culture, you think about the other Ten Commandments that are there. No one in our culture, even our secular, non-Christian culture, no one walks around boasting about breaking nine of the commandments. You think about in your workplace with non-Christians, people who don't follow Jesus. It's not often, there's probably some, but the majority of people that I meet, they don't boast about how many times they lied this week. They don't boast about how many times they stole. They don't boast about how many times they cheated. They don't boast about how many times they committed adultery. They don't even boast about how many times they perved on their neighbour's wife, which is a commandment you're not supposed to break. They don't boast about that. But we boast all the time about breaking commandment number four. In our culture, in our secular culture, if someone says, how are you going? If you don't say good, what's the next most common word? Say it with me. Busy. We all know it. Next most common word is busy. Yeah, I've been flat out, mate. Haven't stopped for three weeks. Haven't had a day off, you know, for a month. I've just been non-stop. I've been so busy. And what do we do when they say that? We say, good boy. Good girl. You're a productive member of society. You know what we should say? Sinner. That's what we should say. We should say sinner. We don't boast about breaking the other nine commandments. But we boast all the time about breaking commandment number four. Sabbath literally means to stop. Stop and rest. Stop working, stop worrying, stop hurrying, stop doing chores. Stop and rest. And in Exodus chapter 20, God ties the reason for Sabbath to creation. He says, I want you to stop and remember that you didn't lift a finger to make this happen. You did not lift a finger. Those stars you see in space, you did not throw one of them into space. And you did not keep them there. But the God who created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, he threw them into space. And he knows each of them by name. And he keeps all of the planets spinning in perfect symmetry. And when you stop and rest, they'll keep spinning. Because you didn't lift a finger to create the world and you lifting a finger will not sustain the world continuing to spin. I want you to rest and give me glory for this creation that you live in. So stop and remember all that I've done. Stop and remember that I'm in control. And then just 40 years later, as they're about to enter into the promised land, Moses repeats, or not Moses, that the, the, uh, the law is repeated to the people of Israel. 
And it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may also rest as you do. Remember, now this is a, this is a change this time. Forty years later there's a slight change to the commandment. That bit's almost word for word. But then he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, Sabbath was tied to creation and the creation story. But then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Sabbath is tied to salvation. So it's not just did God throw stars into space and, and keeps the world spinning, but God stretched out his arm from heaven when you were slaves and he rescued you from slavery. And once again, you had nothing to do with it. It was the outstretched arm of God that rescued you from slavery. And so for the nation of Israel, they were commanded twice here in two different times to observe these commandments, this fourth commandment, and to stop, to Sabbath, to rest and to enjoy God's creation and to stop and to Sabbath and to rest and to enjoy God's salvation. And it had nothing to do with you. I believe we have the same joy today to stop and rest and to enjoy God's creation and to stop and to rest and to enjoy salvation. We've not been plucked out of Egypt by God's outstretched arm, but by the very arms that threw stars into space were stretched out wide onto a cross and they were nailed to a tree that he created and he took upon himself the sins that you and I committed. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's an eternal salvation. It's a salvation that we sung about this morning that one day the dead will rise and we will have eternal life because the giver of life, the creator of life, when he'd done nothing to deserve it, stretched out his arms onto his creation to die for the sake of his creation, to take the place of his creation. And he rose from the dead on the third day so that we can all enjoy new life with him. Can I hear an amen this morning? It's good news. Stop every week. Stop and rest and enjoy creation. Every week, stop and rest and enjoy the salvation that you've been given. And you didn't lift a finger to make it happen. You know, one of the reasons that we easily dismiss commandment number four is that we no longer live under Old Testament law. You know, we, we're not part of the nation of Israel. And Jesus himself got in trouble for breaking the Sabbath the way that, you know, the, the religious leaders of the times thought that Sabbath should be observed. They had very legalistic rules 
about how to observe the Sabbath. And so on one Sabbath, they saw Jesus picking some grain for his disciples to eat and, uh, and healing a man's hand that, that was crippled. And they accused him of breaking the law, of, of breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus, you know, uh, said those, those very memorable words. He, he says, the Son of Man referring to himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. If we just put it into modern day language today, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm God and I'll show you how to Sabbath. I'm boss of the Sabbath. He says the Sabbath, man was not made, let me get this right, I always get this the wrong way around. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying as creator, you know, I've, 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 I've made this for you to be a blessing to you. I've blessed it and I'll show you how to do it. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We, we don't Sabbath today to follow the law. We Sabbath to follow Jesus. Jesus showed us how to Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort, do everything we can to enter that rest. And this Sabbath rest that Jesus offers, it's more than just a day. In this passage in Hebrews 4, it's not just talking about a day. It's talking about a new way. And our core text for this series, where Jesus says, you know, come and rest with me. Come and recover your life. It's not just talking about a day. It's talking about a new way of relating to God, a new way of walking with God because of what Jesus has done for us. 24-7, all the time, we can rest in his grace. But we must not dismiss the principle of the Sabbath. We must not dismiss the Sabbath day that God has built into creation. He's built it into the very rhythm of creation. He's blessed it from the very beginning. And he wants to bless you. The fact is, you want Sabbath. You, you crave Sabbath. Even the world around us knows that you want Sabbath. You look at every lifestyle magazine, unless they're selling liquor or fast cars, they use pictures of Sabbath because we crave Sabbath. You go way back, you see pictures of kids just playing with their parents and we go there's something good about that we see pictures of lounge rooms with soy scented candles for 19.99 and it sells candles because we want to be in that room we want sabbath you see meals people sitting around tables under dimly lit lights just enjoying long dinners with people that they love. It sells stuff today in 2022. It sells stuff to young people because we crave Sabbath. 
Woolies is obviously convinced as if you buy your food instantly, it'll give you more time to sit around and laugh with people around your table on the Sabbath. The world craves Sabbath. There's something built into us, there's something created in us to rest with people that we love. To rest and enjoy our bodies, our hearts, our spirit, our relationships being restored. We crave it. You start looking at all ads, unless they're for you know, fast cars or alcohol, they're always giving us a picture of rest. They're giving us a picture of Sabbath. I believe the rest of your life rests on the rest of your life. Let me just unpack three particular areas as we finish. First, the rest of your relational life rests on the rest in your life. Jesus says this, A new command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I'll never forget that scripture. I went to boys' brigade when I was young. I uh, dressed up in a little blue uniform with a blue boys brigade hat and I turned up every Tuesday night and I played stacks on with a bunch of other boys. We just wrestled each other until someone bled and the the leader stopped it. About 40 boys would turn up and uh, wrestle on Tuesday night. But then every year there was a boys brigade church service that we would go to. 40 turned up on Tuesday night. Have a guess how many turned up to the Boys Brigade Church service? Four. I was one of them. My parents made me go. And our leader decided it was a great idea to sing a song to the church. There was four of us, one microphone, right in front of me. I was about 10 years old, and I do not sing any better today than I did when I was 10. And we sang that verse. A new commandment. I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Key change, but I couldn't key change. (laughs) It was awful. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. I'm singing this solo in a blue boys brigade uniform to a whole church and I'd sing the whole thing in E flat. But what I've discovered is that living that commandment is a whole lot tougher than singing that commandment. Love other people the way that I love you, Jesus said. And that's how people will know that you're my disciples, by the way that you love people. Loving people like Jesus is hard. Has anyone discovered that? Loving people like Jesus is hard, sacrificially, forgivingly, graciously, generously, perseveringly. It would be easy to love people if everyone was like me. I mean, I'm easy to love. Everybody else is jolly difficult. People are frustrating. People are annoying. People don't do things the way that I think they should do them. But that's the way that people will actually know that I'm a follower of Jesus. Not by how many sermons I preach, but how I love people. You cannot love people the way that Jesus loves people without a reservoir of God's love and grace in your heart. You cannot love people the way that Jesus loves people when you're tired 
You're worn out, you're burnt out on religion and you've got nothing left to give. You cannot love people when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you've got unforgiveness in your heart. You can't. You can't change. This is the bit I really want us to get in this whole series. This is true for every rhythm we're going to talk about. You can't change the love that you feel in your heart for people. You can't change. You can't just click your fingers and change the intimacy that you have with God. You can't just click your fingers and change the way that you love God and love people. What you can change is the practices in your life that will fill your heart with love for God and love for people. That's the thing you can control. You can't just flick a switch and change the condition of your heart. None of us can. But you can change the practices you put in your life, the rhythms you put in your life that will fill your heart with love for God and with love for people. The gift of Sabbath is to stop and rest and let God refill your empty heart and to enjoy the people he's put around you. The rest of your relational life rests on the rest in your life and the rest of your working life rests on the rest in your life. We need to remember when we're talking you know, about the importance of rest to also remember the importance of work. Your work matters to God. He said it pretty clearly. I want you to work for six and then ha- have a day off. Have a rest. I shouldn't have said that because Sabbath is much more than just a day off. Have a rest the way that I want you to rest. Colossians 3 says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Hard work's important to God. Perseverance is important to God. Your work matters to God. Your work is supposed to be worship to God. Your work is supposed to bring glory to God. People in your workplace are supposed to see the way that you work and say, I want what they've got. I want what they've got. But Jesus is not glorified by unhappy, stressed, angry people at work. And nor will anyone want what you've got. And you might be able to sort of keep working and keep being productive without practicing Sabbath, but your work won't honour God. You see, they've actually have done a heap of work studies, and you can look them up, about productivity. And they come up with all different kinds of things, but pretty much one of the common things over the last 20 years they've come back to is that it doesn't matter who you are or what you do, There's a certain point where if you keep working after that point every week, your productivity just drops through the floor. You just don't don't be as productive. And it's around 50 hours a week. You, You can work, no matter what you do or who you are, you can work up to 50 hours a week at a fairly productive level. But once you start working more than 50 hours a week, it doesn't matter who you are, you're just not productive anymore you look at that and you think God kind of knew what he was doing it kind of adds up to six working days however you might go about doing it God kind of knew that and when I say work I mean vocational work I mean also mean doing all your chores all the things that you need to get done God kind of knew that working for six days and then having a day of complete rest a day for rest and worship would actually be good for creation. 
wouldn't just be good for our body, mind and soul, but it would actually be good for our productivity. But this is why it's really important. And some of us need to grab hold of this today. God is not as interested in your work capacity as your work character. God is much more interested in your work character than your work capacity. It's not about how much work you do, but it's about how you do your work. Are you doing work in a way that glorifies God? I know some of you think I only work on Sundays, but uh, you know, I, I, I too can get, let work get out of control in my life. About four or five weeks ago, I was in New Zealand uh, for Queensland Baptist meeting with heads of churches all over the South Pacific and if there's anything in my uh, sort of work schedule that looks like junket, it's that. I get to go to New Zealand, stay in a nice hotel for Baptist standards. I, I get to eat nice meals for Baptist standards. And uh, I get to hang out with nice people for New Zealanders. They were pretty nice. And, uh, you know, if anything's a little bit of junket in my working life, it's kind of that three or four days. I, I got to day three. And I wasn't in good shape. I was looking at everything I had to do in the next five to six weeks and I was overwhelmed, I was stressed and I was starting to panic. I don't feel panic very often. But I was so panicked, I don't do this very often. I texted one of my best mates and my only wife, I'm not good. I'm, I'm stressed and I'm starting to panic. Can you pray for me? And they did pray and God did something good in me and I really appreciate it. But I started to think a few days later, how did I get into that place? And I realised I hadn't been practising this principle for about six or seven weeks. Now for me, Sunday is not a Sabbath. I'll preach here this morning, then I'll preach at Weirgull this afternoon, then I'll go to our 6pm service tonight, talk with lots of people, pray with lots of people. Today's, Sunday is not a Sabbath for me. But for a long time, I've tried to make the principle of uh, Saturday being a Sabbath, a time where I enjoy God's creation, I enjoy extended time in worship and prayer, I enjoy walking on the beach, I enjoy time with my family. And I've been preaching at conferences every Saturday for about six weeks, and I hadn't Sabbathed, and it caught up with me. I was overwhelmed, I was stressed, and I was starting to panic. Can I just encourage you, this principle, it's important. It's important. They discovered years ago, it's important for your physical heart. You'll literally live longer. It's important for your relational heart. It's important for your emotional heart. It's important for your working life. The rest of your working life rests on the rest in your life. And lastly, the rest of your spiritual life rests on the rest in your life. If you're living on the edge of your seat constantly, you are not growing in joy and intimacy and love with God. You're just not. Rest is a requirement for physical, relational, emotional health, and it's also true for your spiritual health. And Sabbath rest is not just taking a day off. It's not just sitting on your backside playing video games, but it might be some video games if that's your thing. But it's time to reconnect with creation. It's time to reconnect with people. And it's time to reconnect with God. Sabbath. Don't get legalistic about Sabbath. The Pharisees got far too legalistic and Jesus had to put them straight. Don't get legalistic about it, but a good filter. 
is Sabbath equals rest and worship. Worship's not just singing. Now, worship's enjoying all that God has given us. Worship is sitting around a table with people and eating a good meal and speaking about the goodness of God, telling people how much you love them. Rest might be walking on the beach and just admiring God and giving glory to God. Rest and worship. Some of you are living in too much of a hurry to enjoy being in your heavenly Father's presence. Dallas Willard says this, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And then he goes on to say, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. It's a little vital writer of Hebrews says, make every effort to enter that rest. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You can race through your year hoping life will just magically slow down. It won't. You can, you can hope someone's going to solve the problem for you. It won't happen. There'll just be another problem around the corner. It's your responsibility to eliminate hurry from your life and create a rhythm of Sabbath rest to recover your life and restore your soul. I want to encourage you today, do it for the sake of your relationships, do it for the sake of your work, do it for the sake of your spiritual growth. Obey commandment four and create a rhythm of Sabbath rest. You might do it traditionally, Friday night through to Saturday night. You might do a Lord's Day Sabbath, Saturday night through to Sunday night. Rest and worship. Enjoy good food. Enjoy good company. Enjoy good sex. Some of you just woke up then. One of the rules in the Talmud, which is kind of the rabbi's manual for life, was that spouses should enjoy sex every Sabbath. Some of you who've been sitting on the fence about this whole idea of Sabbath, thinking, does he really know what he's talking about? You've just decided this is an important spiritual discipline. It's time we started Sabbathing, honey. Enjoy a good book. Enjoy good sleep. Enjoy a good work. Walk. Enjoy worshipping our good God. If you're not sure whether you're Sabbathing well, ask yourself, are you loving people more? Are you loving people more this year than last year? Is your work, are you a greater witness in your workplace this year than last year? People looking at you in your workplace and the way that you're working and honouring God in your work and going, I want, I want what they've got. Probably the greatest test is that you're growing in intimacy with God. You're growing in joy. Is there a renewed joy in your heart for worship? We may not be able to live on the beach, but nor can you live on the edge of your seat and grow in love with God and in love with people. Jesus invites you to a rhythm of rest to recover your life and to restore your soul. Just close your eyes for a minute. I just want to read a a psalm as we finish. These are words that are often read at funerals, but it's actually a psalm for the living, not the dead. Just take a moment to rest. Stay, Stay with me. Try and stay concentrating. 
I'm just going to read Psalm 23 line by line. I just believe God's going to speak to you. It might just be one line you need to pick up on. The Lord is my shepherd. That means he cares for you. He protects for you. He provides for you. I lack nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. There's a contentment as we let God lead us. Listen to this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes you stop. He makes you rest. Maybe you just need to follow that commandment today. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Just let him refresh your soul right now. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. As you rest with him, he's going to give you direction for the future. Some of you got big questions about you know, the next step you should take, what to do in your workplace, how to invest the rest of your life. It's actually as you sit with God in a place of rest, he's going to guide you. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Kind of as you're in a place of darkness right now, just receive the comfort of God. He's a good shepherd. He's with you. He's close to you. Just kind of picture him just coming and sitting in the seat next to you and putting his arm around you, comforting you. Jesus actually says, it's better that I go so my Holy Spirit, the comforter, can come. He's here right now to comfort you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God wants you to stop because he's got something for you to eat to nourish your soul. Everything's on offer. He holds nothing back. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, just be reminded this morning of how good he is. How much you have to praise him for. How good he's been to you. Giving this beautiful world to live in and stretching out his arms to save you forever and give you new life. His goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. Just take just a moment just to listen to God's word for you this morning. Come and minister to your people. Thank you that we can enjoy your rest. 
Thank you that we can come before the throne of grace with confidence because you've been so good to us, God. Help us right now just to walk before your throne and to receive what you have for us. Come and minister to your people. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we would love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 